Welcome to the Productivity Mastery Podcast, presented to you by myself, Stoyan Yankov, Productivity and Performance Coach, Keynote and TEDx Speaker, and co-author of the Perform Methodology, and the book, Perform, The Unsexy Truth About Startup Success. Join me on a journey to discover what some of the world's leading professionals do to be more productive, create peak performing teams, and build successful global companies. New episodes weekly. And now, enjoy today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Productivity Mastery episode 152. Uh, as you can see, those of you who are watching the video stream, I'm not in my usual studio slash office. Uh, I'm actually on my workation at the Bulgarian seaside. As you can see, probably the sea is reflected in the window. Uh, but I could not say no to this podcast episode because the episode you're going to listen to today is going to be meaningful and useful for every person who is listening to the podcast today. Because the topic we're going to talk about and by the way, I have one of the best people in the world that's an expert in this topic. The topic is, I would say, meaningful for every person, no matter your industry, no matter your profession. Uh, so, But we're going to get there. I'm going to keep the suspense a little bit. My guest today is a voice coach. She's a professional speaker and a best-selling author. She's a TEDx speaker. She's actually preparing her next TEDx speech. She's helped professionals from over... 46 countries across six continents to speak with a powerful voice. She's been a professional speaker and coach for 21 years. And she's just uh, really, really good at what she does. We had a chance to meet a few weeks ago after uh, a conference in Bulgaria that she's been a speaker at that's called Present to Succeed. Hello, people from Present to Succeed. Great conference. Thanks for connecting us. And she, she delivered a really kick-ass keynote, very insightful. So I was like, Cynthia, you need to come to Productivity Master. You need to talk about these things because everybody needs to learn how to be better with controlling their voice and speaking with confidence. So good morning, Cynthia from Bochik. But for you, it's probably the middle of the day. How are you today? Yes, I am doing great. Thank you so much for having me, and I'm so glad that we're meeting again, even though online. So let's start unpacking the story, shall we? How does sure. one become a voice coach? What was your story? So uh, there's a saying, you teach what you needed to learn the most. So voice was the area that I needed to learn the most. Uh, when I started my career almost uh, two decades ago, that in my very first job, I was being bullied by the boss. And uh, so I had a struggle of one and a half years. Then uh, at the end of the one and a half years, I was sharing my experience with my friend. My friend said, oh, Cynthia, you're not assertive. So that's where I went on a journey to become more assertive. Uh, even though I was performing singing when I was in schools, but I realized there's still difference between singing and speaking the voices. And uh, so I stumbled upon speaking voice and I learned from voice actors. When I improved my speaking voice, I realized, wow, not only I sounded more powerful, I felt more powerful. I think that's where it planted the seed. By the time that I didn't know it could become a career until in my last job, I was uh, training our own employees on communication, leadership. And that's where people started to ask me about voice. They said, oh, Cynthia, how do I improve my voice? So that's where I realized, ah, looks like that people are looking for this. Because at the time, I was also thinking about starting my own business. So that's uh, how it started. And why should people be more conscious about developing their voices? Could you maybe share some examples, cases of transformation that your clients uh, have encountered? Sure. So like this morning, I was talking to a client and uh, this is how she speaks. 
And uh, when you're speaking this way, it looks like that the voice is soft. That's actually not the problem. The voice is being held back. So as I was demonstrating the way she was speaking, I said, I started to feel pressure in my chest. I said, do you feel that? She said, yes, I, I, I did. And then, so that's one of those most very, very most, very most, uh, one of the most common problems for the voice is actually not about soft. It's the voice is being held inside and not coming out. So another client of mine, he had the same problem. And because of that, he was not heard. He was not heard in meetings. Even if he said something, people didn't even notice he said something. And uh, when he came to me, he had insecurity about his job. So he said, oh, I feel that my boss is going to fire me. And uh, I could also see from his outlaw, he looked very depressed. So when we started to work together, one day he shared with me, he said, I want to do a presentation with my boss to the CEO. After having done the presentation, my boss said, in the future, all the presentations are going to be done by you. <laughs> I said, now you are no longer worried about job security because you become so reliable, such an asset for your boss. And when we finished working together about six months later, and then uh, he was asking me, he said, Cynthia, what are the changes you saw in me? I said, not only I saw changes in your voice, the most important thing I saw in you is that you become happier. So when I shared that story with a good friend, and my friend said, Cynthia, you're changing lives. So it was only at that moment that it dawned on me, yes, I did. <laughs> so uh, that's what made me enjoy my work even more. So it's not just changing the voice, but also I was able to play a part in transforming their lives. So that's one of those many stories. One of the surprises I encountered while listening to other interviews that you gave was when you mentioned that many of your clients are actually executives. Because, you know, when you talk about voice, usually you think about singers, maybe speakers. But then you, you mentioned that... Um, you work with many executives, with many managers. So that was surprising to me in a way. Yes. And then you see the other thing is because a lot of senior executives, some of them deep down, they do have the lack of confidence, but they're not showing it. They are putting on a facade where they can look very confident. But voice never lies. Voice always tells us what is being held back and where do we start Cynthia let's imagine people listening to this podcast there's many entrepreneurs there's many senior leaders there's some coaches and speakers as well let's imagine the listeners never consciously thought about developing their voice where should we start <laughs> the best way is to record yourself and have the courage to face the reality <laughs> A lot of people, once they heard themselves, they said, oh, no, 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 I don't want to listen. And then they started to blame the recorder. <laughs> the problem is not on the recorder. The problem is on your voice. So I always tell my clients, I said, how selfish you are if you don't even want to listen to your own voice and think about the people around you, they have been suffering. <laughs> so... <laughs> The very first thing is that you listen to your voice so that you know what kind of impression you have on others. And is there any elements, any framework that you're using? Um, I was listening to, maybe you're aware, of course you're aware, uh, Roger Love, the, the voice yes. coach, and, and he shares that, he talks about the five building blocks of voice, which in his framework, maybe that's that's a general framework. Maybe that's yours as well. I don't know, but but he talks about uh, no, pitch. No, no, no. He talks about no, pitch. No, no. He talks about yes. pace. He talks about tone. He talks about melody, and the fifth one is volume. So yes. I wonder, um, what are the elements, and how how do we pay attention to them? 
in isolation is if we can isolate them and look into them individually. Sure. Thank you for mentioning him. And uh, I reserve my comment on him. <laughs> and uh, so when we work on voice, we need to work on two areas. And these two areas, I always say that they are starting with letter Q and C. So it's not quality control, it's quality and color. Uh, quality and color. So quality means the quality of your voice, the texture of the voice. Most people thought that, oh, the voice I was born with, it cannot be changed. Uh, that's not true. So the voice you were born with can be changed. Everyone can, every man can have a voice that has the quality of Morgan Freeman's voice. Uh, so that's one of the most wanted voices that in my clients, uh, male clients, when they came to me for they said, okay, I want to sound like Morgan Freeman's in there. I said, uh, what do you like about his voice? They said, because of the timbre, the quality, the texture is very good, is deep, is trustworthy, at the same time, is pleasant. So I said, that's the quality you can have, it, regardless of how old you are. My oldest client, when he worked with me, he was 82. So this year, he's 90. And he was still able to work on his voice and make changes at the age of 82. So everyone else could as well. So the voice quality, for example, if I speak with this voice, you hear the quality right away different, right? So the voice is very thin. It's a little bit higher pitch. It sounds very young, very girlish. And uh, of course, in my classes, they'll be saying, wow, Cynthia, is there a switch? There's no switch. <laughs> As a voice coach, I can demonstrate to you the differences, but it cannot last long. So that voice I demonstrated is coming from here. Unfortunately, that's also the voice you may see in a lot of voice coaches. So then what is it that you're developing? You need to develop the voice that comes from the body. So that's what I call a full voice. A voice comes from the full body. Um, that is the voice quality you want to develop, a full voice. And to work on the full voice, you really need to, one, of course, you probably have heard a lot, which is to develop your breathing. So you need to develop the proper breath. That will be the first step and first habit people need to form. And the next step is, once you develop the, uh, the breath, you need to activate here. So activate the body here to help you generate sound. So that's the second stage, which is activation. And once it is activated, then we can generate more sound, which is resonance. So resonance. Then you have three stages and three habits you need to form. And that's what I also call my bar model, B-A-R. So uh, now that I drink a lot, <laughs> it just happens to be a bar model, uh, breathing, activation, and resonance. So that's to help you develop your full voice. When the voice is full, it projects more gravitas, more leadership presence, more uh, charisma, and more credibility. So that is the voice that my clients want to have when they are the leaders. They want to have the so-called leadership voice. The mistake most people would make is that they said, oh, in order to have the gravitas in my voice, sometimes I purposely run my voice so I sound more credible, have more gravitas. So uh, one client, I asked him, I said, how long did it last? He said, 10 to 15 minutes. I said, wow, that's already very long. Uh, that's not only wrong, but also that it's not credible at all because you are manipulating. While the full voice development, it should be a very organic process. So it's utilize your body. So that's why voice is very physical. So that is in voice quality, a full voice we want to develop. The other thing we mentioned is voice color. Uh, color. Color is the area where we work on the emotion, the expressiveness in your voice. Because a lot of my clients, they came to me, they said, oh, Cynthia, I speak with a monotone. In order to have a voice that has up and downs, have rhythm, I change my pitch, pace, volume, so I sound uh, more rhythmic. And then some clients said, only to find out that I sound weird. I said, if you, if you feel you sound weird, the audience will feel you are weird. Because if you're only working on the techniques, 
people can feel it. It's not coming from the heart. So it should be inside out. If I'm saying this is very important, I'm only working on the techniques. I'm using a stronger volume. How does it come across to you? It sounds very uh, performing. It sounds inauthentic. That's not how we're going to sound. So instead, you want to work on the expressiveness in your voice. And the expressiveness requires you to express different emotions. Emotions are like colors, right? We say blue. Uh, this person is blue means sad. Uh, this person is red. It can be anger. This person is green, is greed or jealous, right? So uh, we use colors to describe emotions. And even for the same color, we have different shades, uh, 52 shades of gray. Uh, so we have uh, different shades, like, for example, anger, uh, red. We have bright red, dark red, uh, different red, different shades of red. So they represent different shades or different degree of anger. The light degree of anger could be irritation, right? So irritation is anger. It's just a lower degree. And the higher degree of anger will be rich, right? Uh, so that's why we use color to describe emotions. Uh, so that's the voice color you need to work on, the expressiveness. So that's a long answer to your question. What do we work on in terms of the voice? I never heard about uh, working on colors when it comes to voice. I think it's really interesting. Um, do we do we look, look into, let's say, the different emotions and we work on the color that is the expression of this? How, how do we work on colors uh, of the voice? If you can dive Which deeper into to, that. To work on the emotions, you will need to... Uh, observe the emotions you go through. Now, we are all human beings. As long as you are human beings, no matter how analytical left brain you are, you have emotions. It's just that most people are not paying attention to it. So that's why we need to um, go back to your experience to look at how you experience those emotions. And then we build on your own emotion because we're not everyone's way of expressing the emotion is different. So you cannot say, okay, when you're angry, you must say it in this way. No, because uh, everyone expresses the emotion differently. So that's why I ask my clients to build an emotional bank. Where, for example, after today, at the end of the day, you think about, okay, today, what is the emotion that stood out to me that I experienced? And you write down the emotion and then also write down the incident that linked to that emotion and give the incident a name. So, for example, I have my swimming incident. I have my kung fu incident. Uh, so uh, then it will remind me of all those different emotions. Uh, so that will be the first thing you do. Record your emotions and build your emotional bank. Two is the emotions are experienced not here, uh, not in your head. If you say, oh, I experience emotion in my head, then you're not experiencing emotion. You're thinking about the emotion. Uh, and uh, it's in the body, must be below here. Uh, anything up here is your, your, your head, your thinking. Uh, so below here, those are where you experience the emotions. Uh, sometimes could also be here. Uh, and uh, so you need to record, remember how is it like in the body? That's where you're going to activate the emotions when you want to express them. Uh, for example, fear most likely is linked with your stomach. That's why we say that uh, butterflies in the stomach, right? Uh, uh, fear is in the stomach, most likely. Uh, anger is in the chest. Uh, and then uh, um, sadness sometimes is linked to the heart. But these are generic. Doesn't mean it's the same for everyone. Uh, for me, for joy, I remember one very uh, uh, in one very memorable experience about joy. And I remember that the moment I, I experienced joy, it was like something dancing on my chest. Then I thought, ah, oh, this is interesting. I'm going to remember this. So um, that will be the second step. Uh, Thank you so much, Cynthia. This is so interesting. 
and I love that you you look at voice as part of our personality. We don't develop voice for the sake of voice, but we look at it holistically in our own personal development, personal growth, and voice is just one side of us becoming more successful, more happier, more confident. Uh, so I really, really appreciate that. You mentioned your body, right? As, as the, like a core. Um, can you talk about the body? What, why should we pay attention to the body? Yes, uh, because uh, we live in the body. <laughs> so uh, even though that most people nowadays are more and more living up and up and up, is living in the head. Uh, even when we do the voice work, a lot of my clients, they are trying to use their mind to control how their body works. Uh, they say, I need to breathe in this way. And they're not letting the body do its work. They're using the mind to try to control how the body moves. I said, can you, can you see that you're trying to use your mind to control your body? And uh, so that's uh, one thing is that we live in the body. And the body, sometimes, they has much more wisdom than the mind. That's why we also say that why gut feeling is so accurate. Uh, so that's why we need to pay a lot of attention to the body. We live in the body. Everything happening in the body is telling you what is going on in your mind, in your heart, what is going wrong. If you don't listen to it, then it will give you more and more stronger and stronger indication which goes to the extreme as serious illness or serious pain in your body if you don't listen to it. Uh, so every illness we have, every disease we have is a reflection of what's going wrong here and here, your heart. Uh, that's why you need to not only listen to your body, but also pay more attention to your body. Where do you feel pain? How how strong or how weak the pain is? Um, where do you feel where you're not feeling comfortable? When you feel hot or cold, how is it like in the body? You're very attuned to the body. Yeah, and it brings me to, I'm just reflecting on, you know, both of us are professional speakers and we do a lot of presentations. And every time I have a, an important keynote to do or a workshop, a presentation, I would always schedule, let's say if it's 10 in the morning is my keynote. I'll schedule time in the morning in which I, I will do some sports, right? Like I'm traveling, then I'll go to the hotel gym. I will, uh, I don't know, do some breathing, meditations in the morning. Um, I... I used to do acting classes when I was in university and I learned some of this and I'm actually going to ask you about that as well. I learned this mouth warming exercises, right? Like when you do some, you know, five, 10 minutes of warming up your mouth and in your tongue and, and all these kind of things. So I'll do these kind of things in the morning, but they all, you know, they're physical, right? Like it, like they, they get me into a lot more relaxed state uh, yes. And that's what I want. I don't want to be anxious and nervous when I have to speak and I have an important presentation. To I want to be really relaxed because from that place, as you said, okay, techniques are important, but they're kind of like the, the paint in the house. You need to have the fundamentals. You need to have the house. And then the techniques are like the, oh, let's put a little bit of red on this part of the house, right? And it's going to be more beautiful. But you already have the house. If you take good care of yourself, your confidence, your body, you're in a good state, right? So um, I wonder what do you do and what would you recommend people to do in terms of relaxing their body uh, before they have an important presentation to do? Sure. So I'm not sure whether you know this. Um, before my session at the uh, presenter present to succeed conference uh, I was actually walking walking around yeah. and uh, so you know a lot of times that my clients will be telling me oh Cynthia you know in my mind I'm not nervous but my my palms are wet I said of course 
you your mind thinks it's not nervous, but but the body is telling you the truth. Uh, so uh, when John was speaking, the speaker before me, uh, when John was speaking, very funny. In my mind, I did feel oh, I'm very calm. My mind was actually empty, but my body was already telling me I am nervous. So then, of course, as a professional, what do we do? I'm not going to sit there and then wait. Uh, you have to get the body move to uh, walk, walk off those uh, nervousness energy. So what I did was actually I uh, took off my shoes uh, with a little bit of heels. So I took off the shoes and I was walking uh, behind, uh, behind the audience. And I was just slowly walking, uh, walk off the uh, nervousness. And of course, with proper breathing. So, uh, but because proper breathing is a habit for me, so that's not something that I need to worry about. But I was walking slowly uh, and make sure that I was standing behind the audience. And then about 10 minutes before my session, so I slowly walked from the side to the stage. Even there, I was standing. Uh, so I wasn't sitting. I was standing and then also still shoes off uh, to make sure that I'm still uh, managing the energy, uh, managing the nervousness energy. Uh, that's what I did. And also the other thing is, uh, because when people are nervous, a lot of times they may they may have articulation issues. They may start to mumble. Uh, so one thing that you can do is to uh, move your articulators. If you have the tendency to often uh, slur on words when you're nervous, then you want to move your articulators to make sure that you don't do, you don't have that problem when you're nervous especially the very first few sentences of your uh, speech, you want to be very familiar. So uh, some exercises you can do is just uh, open up your mouth, like uh, make the awesome, and then stretch it, and then forward, as it's like E, U, R. So that's uh, what I did, which is uh, walk off the energy, make sure I stood. The other thing, the other thing was that I was, uh, in my mind, I was uh, reciting my uh, opening. So my opening three lines, so that uh, even though it has never happened, uh, but uh, when you're nervous, you started to wonder if you, you will remember what you're going to say. Uh, so <laughs> that's what I did. In my mind, I was thinking, okay, this is my opening. Uh, make sure that I'm just going to say it. Uh, so that was what I did uh, before that speech. And then, of course, just when say, I stood on the street, just, yeah. just to say to everybody listening, she rocked the stage. She, I, I, <laughs> I saw the presentation. She went there. She owned the stage. And I, I even mentioned to you afterwards, hey, Cynthia, you own the stage. You were so yes. confident. Everybody was listening. People were not looking at their phones. So apparently it worked. Yes. So and that's why you see that beforehand, whatever happened, people do not know. But those small things that I did made sure that when I did stand on the stage, that everything is just flowing. And, and by the way, I love that you say, you emphasize on the first few sentences of your speech because many people, be, you know, they might do a corporate presentation or a speech. It's always the first few sentences because once you, you get there, you start talking, you get out of your head, and you get into your yes. body, right? And then, and then things start floating. But the first few sentences are really important to get you. Maybe the audience laughs a little bit, or yes. they smile, or they, they start listening. And then, you and if you remember, on. yes, and if you remember, you know, in the my opening was actually something that was uh, spontaneous uh, because. I commented something that John said about banana. <laughs> so my original opening was later, but because John just finished and the banana thing was so funny, so I had to mention, actually in my mind, what I was thinking about, okay, I'm going to say the banana. <laughs> that was my opening, which is good because there's a technique, uh, if you know, uh, on humor, it's about callback. Right? So you'll call back about what the other speaker said and add on and relate to what you're going to say. Uh, so uh, that was actually was what I was reciting in my mind. What was about banana. 
<laughs> I need to make a comment about a banana, man. <laughs> love it, love it. Cynthia, tell me about tell me about. Um, do you have any? And you've been doing that now for 20, 25 years, obviously. But would you recommend? And maybe do you personally have any daily voice building routines? Like, do you do something in the morning with your voice? Like, I don't know, singing in the bathroom or <laughs> something else? Breathing, as you said you do. What, what, what do you do? What would you recommend? Simple tools for people who want to improve their voice. So people would be surprised that I do nothing. <laughs> I seriously do nothing. <laughs> Because everything I've been practicing, they are a habit. So once it becomes a habit, you don't need to do it anymore. But of course, the other thing I've realized compared to some clients and is that what I notice when they're not sleeping well and when they the night before their session, they came to me And uh, they're not sleeping well. And I realize that there are something about their voice is not right. So uh, then I would say that always have enough sleep. Because when you're not sleeping well, then it shows up in your voice. So that's one. Actually, the most important thing is the other thing about the reason that why I don't do anything is because that you have to take care of your body. So I think it looks like maybe in terms of specific exercises, I don't do anything to warm up or to wake up, but I'm taking care of my body most of the times. So I make sure that I have enough uh, water. I have enough sleep. I eat well. I don't overeat. Uh, occasionally drink a little bit more. <laughs> but uh, that's not required. <laughs> so... Yeah, that's uh, that's what's more important is take care of your body. Mm -hmm. And would you, any way for those who are starting, recommend some of those techniques, or you think that they don't need to do it? Like, for example, uh, again, I'm coming okay. from. Um, I attended this beginners exactly. I attended this kind of a. I mean, you've been doing it for 25 years. You've spoken to I don't know 30 plus countries, maybe 40. I don't know. Um, You've been on stages, you know, how to control your voice. But would you recommend something for, you know, yes. and, and what would that be? Like just very practical sure. tools for beginners. Yes. Yeah. So if you're not forming habits of anything we're talked about, like the habit of proper breathing, the habit of using here uh, as a sounding board to speak, um, the habit of expressing your emotions. So if you don't have any of those and you're just starting out, then uh, in the morning you can, and also before any presentation when you're nervous, you can do these exercises to help you warm up. One, of course, we mentioned is the three sounds to uh, warm up your articulators. Yeah. So that's an E, U, R. Uh, make sure here is very flexible. The second one is you can also do... Uh, Lip fluttering, uh, lip fluttering, F-L-U-T-T-E-R. Uh, it's like this. So we take a breath in and then we do. Uh, okay, yes. You see, kids, they can do it uh, because it's very relaxing. It relaxes the, the muscle. And also, it lets your breath come out. A lot of times when people are nervous is that they're holding the breath. So we have to let the breath come out. It's, this is letting the breath come out. And if you want to open up your voice range, if your voice range is uh, limited, especially when you just uh, wake up, you can do a gliding up and gliding down as well, like this. Yes, this is also like the motor engine, right? It does feel good, you gotta say. Yes, if you couldn't do that, some clients, they really couldn't do that. And then you can do a, a humming. Hum from do to do. Uh, so it's... Uh, so it's also going up and going down. To uh, wake up your voice, to uh, manage your nervousness energy. The other exercise is also very simple. People, it's so simple that people are doubting, will it work? Isn't that funny that we think that things must be complicated in order to make it work? 
Leo, so uh, actually Einstein says something about simplicity. Uh, I think he says something as simplicity is the hardest thing. Uh, so you can search the original quote, but something as that. Simplicity is not easy. Uh, sometimes it's the simplest things that work. So the simple exercise is just to sigh. Uh, better yet, sigh with a sound. Like, ah. Ah, so when we are nervous, it's a lot of energy being held inside. So what you can do is to sigh. Uh, sigh out the energy and also sigh out the tension. Yeah. So that's uh, a few exercises for people to do. You see, they are very quick, very simple to do to manage the nervousness or wake up the voice. Thank you so much, Cynthia. I think this is super practical, super useful. Uh, thanks for sharing. I'm sure it's going to help a lot of people before an important presentation. I mean, everybody who's in business, uh, even if you're not in business, right, you need to do a speech on a wedding or uh, anywhere else. And this nervousness can be a big blocker. What other advice would you give? And we are going beyond voice here, right? We're going in terms of presentation. What would be some other advice in terms of getting rid of the nervousness of doing a presentation? Uh, the most important thing is to know that the presentation is never about you. It's never. Uh, I also, you see, occasionally I will also get nervous. Uh, and some nervousness are, are normal, like the one I just shared. That was just very interesting. That's just physiological reaction. I wasn't even thinking about, oh, how would I look in my audience eyes? It was just a physical reaction. But there are times when I did notice I started to get nervous was because now I'm too concerned about myself so then quickly i'll shift my attention on me to the audience so that's uh, one of the most important things people get nervous is because oh how would they think of me how would they judge me uh do do will they think that i know enough uh or do i know enough uh will, will i convince them or will i forget what i'm going to say if i said something will they laugh so these are all the things that either you focus too much on yourself or things that you cannot control. You cannot control whether they laugh. So uh, that's why that we need to shift the attention from ourselves to the others. So instead, I have a few questions for my clients to ask more constructive questions. Like you can ask, uh, what is the message that they're going to take away with? So uh, do you know clearly that the message they're going to take away with? If not, you better work on that. Uh, you better spend your energy and time to work on your message instead of hoping, oh, hope I'll do something, present something, they'll get my message. Good luck. <laughs> so it must be very clear. Uh, instead of getting nervous, spend your energy on getting your message clear. So that's one thing. Uh, the other one is, how do I want them to feel? Uh, how do I want them to feel? And that uh, you also need to make sure is in your presentation. Uh, in your presentation, you must make sure that you are leading them to feel that way. And then what action do I want them to take? So these are the three questions you need to think about. Uh, what is my message? How do I want them to feel? What action do I want them to take? Uh, they must be very clear clearly in your structured in your presentation if not then better spend more time and energy uh, reconstruct your presentation instead of getting nervous yeah. a and the last speaker. one sorry yeah. sorry go ahead i'll ask you afterwards the last one the last one is something that i always say to myself and i would also uh, recommend everyone to think about whatever presentation it is be it business serious presentations you have to enjoy yourself so I always ask myself, will I enjoy myself? Probably you saw that sometimes I enjoy myself too much on the stage. <laughs> so, yeah, that's how the other question you want to ask. I love it. And again, it's simplicity. You give us these four points. And I wonder as a professional speaker, 
Now you've spoken to so many stages and often you have to speak in front of different type of audiences. So could you maybe share what's your process? You get booked <laughs> to speak. What is your process in terms of, you know, step-by-step -step researching the audience, structuring my speech? How do you design a presentation that will have an impact on the specific conference? So uh, first you really need to know um, of course, the, the theme, the theme of the conference, so that you can see how you can uh, make your speech be relatable to the theme. And then uh, after that, of course, you need to know your audience. So you need to do a lot of pre-work. So pre-work, uh, especially if it's corporate, corporate engagement, then it's uh, easier. You can uh, ask the uh, organizer more. You can even uh, have conversations with the audience. But if it's a general conference where you have never met the audience, then you can study, for example, what is this conference about? What is this conference aim? And then you can ask about the previous attendees. Who are those people who often need to attend? What their challenges are relating to the topic. So that's even more important. That's very important. What is the challenge? What are the challenges that the audience are facing? uh in terms of this conference for example presentation right and then uh, where they are for example for my topic where they are in terms of the knowledge on voice and uh so that you know what will be more relevant if you are a speaker and you're not relevant then you will you will no longer be relevant to the stage so you have to uh, make sure that you're relevant uh, that's why so that's the pre-work and then after that, it's also very important if you are, you need to be in the conference early. So uh, even though there are speakers, I know that they probably only arrive before their speech. But for me, it's important that they need to, I need to be there early. I need to observe the audience. I need to observe how they are responding to the other speakers. Uh, what is their receptivity? What is their level? Uh, what are the things they, they are laughing at, laughing about, uh, so that you know whether your humor will be, will be relevant as well. Uh, otherwise, you say something and no one laughs. Uh, uh, so uh, those are all the things that you need to do. So observing the audience throughout the conference, even talk to them. And then uh, especially if it's your topic and you want to, uh, during the break, you talk to them, oh, what is your expectation? If they don't, they say, oh, I don't, I don't have any expectations. Uh, then most of the times you know that they're probably new. Uh, so uh, those are all the pre-work that you need to do. In terms of pre prepare the presentation. So for me, uh, the day I receive the notification that I'm going to speak at this conference or this engagement, that's where I start to prepare already. You'll never see me sit there and write something. No, most of the times I'm preparing I'm thinking in my head, uh, if I'm seeing something, I say, oh, okay, maybe I'll put that in the speech. So uh, once I have some more ideas, I will do a mind mapping. So I put every idea on a piece of paper and then look at the ideas and then see, oh, okay, what are the things that I need to take out? What are the things that I need to keep? So that's the first stage, like selecting the content. Uh, then after that, uh, usually a, a few days, very limited a few days before the presentation day, I will start to put them into another mind mapping, which is opening. What do I, what do, I do? In the body, what do I do? In the closing, what do I do? Uh, so uh, after that, then it may still change a little bit when I do see the audience. The day when I see the audience, I may start to tweak a little bit. Uh, like the one we talked about. Uh, so I had a speech opening, but I added uh, the banana thing. <laughs> Cynthia, thank you so much for sharing that. And I hope everybody is listening to this because there's so many business professionals that starts with creating slides. Um, now, my background is from movie production. You don't start creating the storyboard, you know, and start filming before you actually brainstorm a lot of ideas, identify what are the core messages that will create value for the audience? As you said, the, the core thing is, it's not about me. 
I'm there to create value for this specific audience, which means maybe provide with some specific insights, maybe delivering the message in a way that will hit them so they'll take action. So I need to understand who the audience is. It doesn't matter if you're a business professional pitching to an investor. It doesn't matter if you're on a conference. You need to know your audience. What are their point, pain points? And what can you deliver to be able to, in this short time that you have, to hit them with this, right? To generate value for the other side. Um, I have a similar process, which is I brainstorm a lot of ideas. I'll research. I'll listen to some interviews, whatever on the topic, if I need to. Uh, I'll read a lot about the audience and I start putting down some ideas and then a little bit maybe different, but kind of similar. Um, I'm a spreadsheet person. <laughs> so so my speech is the first broken down into spreadsheets of, you know, this is the introduction. This is the the, the throw line, right? Which is like the, the one sentence that is the key message of the, the presentation that I want the whole presentation to be to be coming back. And, and then the core, the body of the presentation might, doesn't have to be, but might be three key points that will conform the main message I want to deliver, right? And then there is the ending, which I might summarize um, and, then, and then receive the grand finale, right? Where, where you kind of uh, wrap up the whole presentation. I mean, there's different story structures. You might open something at the beginning and then at the end, you kind of wrap it up like the like full circle, or it could be a different way to do it. Um, but, but usually I don't start doing slides or I can, actually I can, if I have an idea, oh, I could put this visual, I just put it in a slide, keep it there, but I'm still yes. in a creative process, right? And then when I have, okay, this is the, the structure of my 20 minute keynote. How can I, how can I deliver the message about this thing in the most impactful, fun, uh, engaging way. Oh, maybe I should ask a question, right? Because at the beginning I start with presenting so they might get bored. I need to ask a question. Oh, here I can put this video because I interviewed this person. That'll be interesting. And they know this person because this audience is from Georgia. And, and, and then you start building. And I love the fact you say maybe two days before the presentation, you change a little bit because there is uh, Elon Musk who bought the new company and it's really relevant for this presentation. Um, so I hope everybody's listening and uh, it's uh, taking some notes. Um, and I want to read, thank you so much, Navid. Navid is joining us from Dubai. Uh, he's listening to the podcast. He's saying good morning and greetings from Dubai. And then he's sharing, I spent so much time with entrepreneurs and startup founders who do not have the confidence when it comes to presenting their ideas or product due to being nervous. This session is very productive. Thank you, Stoyan, for having yeah. Cynthia uh, on the podcast. And I wonder if you you also work with entrepreneurs and startup founders. Yes. Um, what are some of the main, I would say, mistakes that startup founders do when it comes to pitching to investors? And what would be your advice to them? Yeah. So I trained a lot of uh, Silicon Valley startups. Um, you know, it's uh, it's sad to see sometimes they have such great uh, ideas and products and services, but the way they present doesn't show that. So almost every startup company, they had a story behind their product, but the story was never really shared in a very impactful way. So... Uh, some of the mistakes that they made, one is they are being too technical. If you are asking for money, it's not going to just be technical. Uh, so you want to remember that um, logic makes people think. Emotion makes people act. Uh, so if you want their money, you have to show that the emotion of the story. So uh, a lot of uh, startups that they, because they had someone in their family had some experience and then they realized they need to invent something. So you have to share those stories with emotions. Uh, so that's the voice color we're talking about. So you have to have the emotion, have to feel it, have to relieve the experience sometimes. And uh, so that's one is being too technical. 
Two, of course, is a lack of emotion or lack of passion in their presentation. So now that you, all the startup owners, that they are passionate about what they're doing, but they're not presenting in a way that shows the passion. So sometimes I uh, say that, for example, Martin Luther King, his speech is an impromptu speech. Uh, so uh, he had script in the beginning, but then he sends the audience differently. He decided to throw away, throw away the script and just gave a speech on the spot. So he was speaking with passion, emotion. He didn't say, I, I have a dream that one day, blah, blah, blah. I have a dream. No, fight with me for the dream. He can say to everyone, you know, I'm very passionate about my dream. It just doesn't show in my voice. Good luck. So you have to use your voice to show the passion, show the emotion. Otherwise, you can say to people, I'm very passionate, but it just doesn't show in my voice. It does, it's not convincing. So you have to use your voice to express the emotion, express the passion. So that's uh, two of the biggest mistakes. So would you say, would you say, let's say they prepared their presentation, their pitch with all the facts and numbers, would you say they should maybe go and do another round and say, well, what kind of emotion do I want to create in the person that's listening to me? Should I include maybe additionally a story or an example or, or a little bit about how I feel so I can make them feel? What, what are some of those things that they should add? Uh, because I also work with a lot of startup founders. Many of them are yes. amazing, smart people. Some of them, very technical people, right? They're building products. They're, you know, coders. They, they understand technology, not necessarily um, so good in storytelling and, and creating emotions. So they don't have to create stories. They must have had the story already because how did you come out about this idea? How did you come out about this product? Because from all these different entrepreneurs that I have talked to, there was a story behind. You can just tell the story. Uh, so say that, what is it that made you create this product? And when you share that story, there will be emotions. Uh, so for example, I forgot what was the product that one guy created. He was asking for uh, investment, going around for three years, nothing. Then when he presented me, I said, of course, because the way you're doing is so technical. And the story you have is, is so meaningful because I think it was his uh, grandma. He was, uh, it was gr his grandma getting old and he, there was a lot of problems uh, when she was uh, trying to uh, get healed at home. So I think it was not easy to move. I forgot the exact product, but because of that, so he started to invent something that's easier for the senior people to use so that they won't get even more ill in at home, especially now that a lot of old people, older people, senior people living alone, uh, I'm also old. <laughs> so a lot of senior people, they are living alone. So uh, that's why that uh, it can be those stories. And then, of course, unfortunately, that his grandma passed away because of the lack of that. So that really made him very determined to uh, push out the product. So see, that is a very touching story. Well, he wasn't even shared. It. So uh, you already have the story. Uh, so go back and think about what made you decide to invent those ideas, invent those uh, products. I, I love that you mentioned that because we we sometimes try and think of, I need to come up with this story that is so incredibly crazy, amazing. And the, yeah. the truth is, doesn't have to be. You know, you can, you can, you know, the story that you take for granted could be something that's the most impactful thing somebody hears. We all have stories. And, and if I have to go one level further, every time I do a fuck up, something goes wrong. Yes. Like the first thing that comes to mind is, oh my God, I have such a great story for my speeches and workshops. Yes. I don't know yes. if, you, if you do the same. <laughs> for me, it's yes. like, yes. 
I'm creating more. Like I was in uh, in Ukraine 2019. Um, I'm not gonna tell the whole story, but I paid 107 euro for laundry in a hotel. Like it's it's a long story, but it's like at the moment it was like because I didn't know, right? I needed to do the yeah. laundry. I'm like, yeah, I'm in Marriott. You guys have laundry? Yeah, sure, we can take care. Then I come home and you see those every piece of cloth was in a different hanger and nicely ironed 107 euro right it's like what so like but it's like i'm like oh my god i have to pay 107 euro for laundry but then it's like wow that's a great story i can tell if i have a speech or a workshop and then i can make a point you have to be careful with the details once i was in ukraine da, 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 right now i have a story to tell it's not a major story but it's something that happened to me and it's yeah. something that you remember. So, stories. And Cynthia, I want to go back to, to your early days as a speaker. Yes. You are kicking ass on stage right now. You're owning the stage. What was it when you were in your early days? Let's say you did your first speech, first public appearance. Were you nervous? And, and then the second part to it is, was there any advice about this industry that you were advised to do that ended up being wrong? Um, okay. So I think for me, uh, most people who didn't know me uh, always uh, surprised to find out that even in my early days, they said, oh, Cynthia, I knew you for many years, but never knew you're so funny. <laughs> So probably now I become more hilarious, <laughs> but uh, I was funny before. <laughs> so uh, uh, my actually my uh, speaking career started at the age of uh, twelve. I was so fortunate that I was the class president. So as the class president, the teacher gave me stage time. So I always had the opportunity to stand in front of the group every single day. I remember very clearly at the age of 12, but the first time when my teacher asked me to stand in front of the group, all I did was this, the whole half an hour. <laughs> and then my arms were not even moving. The whole half an hour was doing this, never even looked up. And I remember very clearly when I came off the stage, the armpits were all sweating. And uh, because I was doing that every day, and uh, also I, I was uh, doing too well in school, so I was always the class president <laughs> all the way when I was in college. <laughs> For the haters, please hate me. <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, I was always given the opportunity to stand in front of the group. So that's why that as an introvert, now outgoing introvert, so I was given the opportunity to speak in front of the group. Um, but in terms of speaking career, so when I started my speaking career, uh, that was where I had a lot of challenges. Uh, but standing on the stage was not a lot of challenge. Uh, so building the business, building the speaking business was a lot of challenge. So I think one, one biggest challenge was I... Or one thing that I, I was always hearing people say uh, was when I joined the speaking business, people say, oh, you need to have a book. You need to have a book. You need to have a book. I said, fine, I'll write a book. <laughs> and uh, so I started writing. Uh, I only wrote about less than two chapters and I didn't feel like writing at all. <laughs> then I just stopped. So that's why sometimes when people give you advice and you don't feel like it, you don't need to follow them. Even maybe now, a lot of things you heard, if it doesn't resonate with you, don't force yourself. So then I just stopped. And then a few years later, all of a sudden I feel like writing again. Yeah. So uh, because one day I thought, oh my God, if I die one day, all the things I know about voice will be gone with me. Uh, so I decided to write a book. And then when I started to write a book, when I decided, I also started to contact a publisher. So when the, that's why sometimes I say when the intention is right, things will happen very fast. 
So when my intention was right, in a way, if you make it noble, it's like I wanted to leave a legacy. <laughs> so uh, then when the intention was right, everything just happened. So I contacted the publisher. The publisher didn't even, even say that, okay, we, we don't want to publish. They just decided that they want to publish it. So then uh, I just published my book with a big publisher. And then that's how the book came about. So you can hear a lot of things people say to you in the business, but you have to also ask yourself whether you feel like it, whether that's the right time, and what is your intention. If the intention is not right, things will become very challenging for you. So imagine that when I started my speaking business, I said, okay, everyone said, okay, you need to write a book. Then I have to write my book. I have to probably fight very hard to get a publisher. Maybe no one wants to publish my book. And then you just say, oh, there are so many challenges. But actually, sometimes it doesn't have to be so challenging. So at least it turned out in a way publishing the book wasn't that challenging to me. And that'll be my final question. Was that the biggest game changer? Like if you if you reflect backwards on this 20, 25 year career, what really made a difference into establishing yourself as as an authority on your topic? Yes. So I would say it's always not one thing only. Uh, it's never one thing only. If you think that, oh, well, by publishing one book, now I'm the authority. Uh, you're daydreaming. <laughs> it's not. But the book will help you in some ways where it uh, sets you up as a, as a credible source, as an authority. Uh, so it gives you some credibility. But at the same time, you still need to constantly generating ideas, constantly write something about your business, your, your, your topic. If you follow me on LinkedIn, you will see that uh, almost every week, I write different things about voice. I write my views on voice. And then, so that's one you never, you're never finished. The other one is, for example, TEDx talk. So once I give a TEDx talk, it builds up more credibility as well. And at the same time, you have the, the other thing very important as a speaker, you have to do a damn good job speaking. Otherwise, you will not have your credibility. Uh, so there are a lot of things happening. You have to keep on building. And uh, even now, I love that you say that, and, and as you said, just to reflect on your words, keep on building, and no matter how much advice you get, you always have to listen to yourself and, and ask yourself, is that natural for my personality, for the way I do things, or is there any kind of a resistance, and I'm just trying to, to follow somebody's advice, but it doesn't really feel right, right? Yes. Focus on yeah. your strengths. And, and do things your way. That was also the advice I received from the founder of Reebok, the sneakers company. You know, ah. he listened to, looked at me and listened to me. And, and when I asked him about, uh, you know, what advice he would give, he said, my advice would be, don't listen to too much advice. <laughs> Even for myself, who am I? I'm not in your shoes. I don't, I That's can right. give you advice, but don't listen too much to advice. Listen to yourself, believe in yourself. Yes. Go out and do your best, prepare well, you know, try doing things, maybe adjust, adapt, and then one day, eventually, potentially, you get into a place that you want to be. But it usually takes a lot more time than we, we look at watching the movies, right? So, yes. but uh, yes. Cynthia, it's been such a pleasure having you on the podcast. Thanks, everybody, for being with us. Final, final reflection from your side. What would be your final message to the audience? And the second part to it. Where could people find you? And who are the people who can benefit from getting you on board as a speaker, as a voice coach? Mm. Uh, so the first one, yes, is uh, something that even I am still working on in other areas of my life. Uh, so in my business, in my speech, I can say that at times I have achieved this flow state. Uh, but I'm still working on that kind of state in other areas of my life. So how, how do we achieve that state? The most important thing is also the simplest thing is to relax. 
The best voice comes from the most relaxed body. The best speech is given when you are relaxed, when you are in the moment, when you are enjoying the speech as, as much as, if not more, than the audience. So you need to relax. That's uh, the very first and final advice I would give to people, which is to relax. Uh, relax into what you're doing. And then you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, you can just uh, be everywhere. If you don't remember my surname, which is not easy to remember, you can just search Cynthia Voice Coach on LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube, Facebook as well. So I recommend you to go to YouTube. I have more than 200 videos. We have more than 45,000 subscribers. So you're welcome to become the next one. So that's where you can find me. And now I forgot about the third question. <laughs> How could uh, people benefit from hiring you? Uh, who would be the people that you can help most with your speeches, with mm, your voice okay. coaching? Yes. So uh, the group that I speak the most to and also I coach the most uh, is uh, the senior leaders. So senior leaders, uh, C-suites, where when they are uh, holding a conference, when they are holding a retreat or a regional conference, where they want to uh, train their leaders to develop their mindset about the leadership voice. So the leadership voice goes beyond just the voice. So one of, uh, or two topics that I speak the most, one is influence through voice in times of uncertainty. And then the second one is that be heard with a powerful voice. So these are the two topics that I speak the most on and also uh, coach people on. So uh, that's to answer the third question. Cynthia, thank you so much for the work that you do. Thank you for your genuine care, for making people better, more successful, happier, more calm and, and fulfilled. Uh, I really feel your care and not to mention the level of professionalism and uh, I want to talk to you for, for seven hours and ask you a lot more questions, but I think we should wrap it up here now and continue sure. with the day. Thank you so much for being with us and sharing so much uh, valuable advice. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to, to follow Cynthia, voice coach Cynthia. Find her on YouTube. Find her everywhere. Invite her to be a speaker at your event. Invite her to be a coach. And obviously, if you enjoyed this episode of Productivity Mastery, Follow us on Spotify, follow us on Apple Podcasts, share this episode, and let's keep spreading this positive energy, insights, and make the world a little bit tiny better. So thank you so much for being with us and see you once again in the next episode of Productivity Mastery. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure to subscribe to my monthly newsletter by visiting stoeniankov.com and also learn about the PERFORM methodology and the PERFORM book, as well as our various personal and team coaching offers. Stay tuned and keep performing.